Want to get the edge with your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle have teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data for all the Premier League matches each game week. You combine betting market data with InfoGoal's performance data to try and find Pinnacle customers' value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. Welcome back. It's EPL Insights with data provided by InfoGoal for Game Week 32 in the Premier League. This week, we'll dig into more drop points for Arsenal as the title race continues to heat up. Down at the bottom of the table, can we take some teams out of the relegation zone, battle for spots potentially for European football next year, and a little bit of a Smaller slate of games to dig into this week with five feature fixtures and three other games to go rapid fire with, with four teams not playing this week as the FA Cup semifinal showdowns are get underway at Wembley this weekend as well. Uh, Jake, good to see you. Uh, how are <laughs> things and how did last week go for you? Good. Yeah, things are right over here. Decent weekend in the end. It started off really badly, um, obviously with the Newcastle Villa game not going my way, but it soon picked up. And I think you know the Brighton plus uh, plus Nort was a nice, comfortable winner in the end. They were by far the better team. The same with Crystal Palace at Spurs, uh, Leicester grabbing a consolation, helped the both teams to score play. Uh, and then my big win was uh, United win to nil, which was a plus one ninety. I was very confident about that bet, just because of how bad Nottingham Forest have been in attack. And then we rounded off with. You know, absolute cracker of a match at Ellen Road. Only went for over three goals rather than over five, which is a bit disappointing, but we'll take the profit. Yeah, yeah, I, I had that at the United Under. Um, I was a little bit brash and bold last week trying to make a play in each and every game. Uh, I did get five right, so 50-50, but that included a couple plus plays. Go on, Aston Villa. Um, I really backed them at plus 109 on the handicap. Uh, that went through and the United underplay because simply put Nottingham Forest cannot score goals and United have all kinds of problems finding the back of the net in their own right. So it was a decent week all around, not a great week. And looking into this week's schedule, I, I don't love the slate of games, to be honest with you. Uh, United, Brighton, Chelsea, Manchester City, none of those teams playing this week. Uh, I think that the bigger storyline is the pressure's starting to ramp up on Arsenal, isn't it? More drop points. Uh, really familiar ways that the two games played out over the last two games for Arsenal. A 2-2 draw with Liverpool and a 2-2 draw with West Ham. What do you make of Arsenal's title push? Should they still be considered favourites to go in and win the title? What is your data? What are your models telling you? Um, yeah, well, the model is pretty much in line with what the futures are suggesting, which is that City are the favourites to win the title right now. And it's hard to kind of uh, disagree. I mean, we're giving City a 67% chance of, of lifting the trophy now. Um, Arsenal at the rest at 33. And yeah, they, they've just, they've had two incredible opportunities to keep our, uh, City at arm's length. I mean, going 2-0 up in consecutive matches and then dropping effectively four points from that position is... Um, you know, it, it's the kind of thing you look back on at the end of the season, and and that's the kind of thing that decides titles. You know, the, um, you know, fair enough at Anfield, you can kind of forgive them a little bit because Liverpool, you know, when when they get the tails up, they can score three, four, five if they want to, seven um, in certain cases. Um, but West Ham away, they'd not shown much at all. I mean, Newcastle had just gone there and absolutely destroyed them. 
Uh, and it felt like there was that result was going to repeat itself when also were two up after 10 minutes, but just went flat after that. And, you know, there was talk over here from the pundits that they just got a little bit complacent, a little bit too overconfident, kind of shot themselves in the foot. Um, so that there's definitely that comes into it. But either way, however you look at it, it it's incredibly, um, I imagine, frustrating and disappointing for Arteta and the players that they've, they've now, I mean, it's still in their hands technically, but they're comfortably second favourites in everybody's eyes. Um, obviously, the big game next week against Manchester City, which probably is going to decide it. If you're an Arsenal believer, if you believe that they can go to the Etihad and come away with something in that game, and you believe that City with Champions League, we're recording this podcast before their game on Wednesday uh, with the FA Cup, um, the Futures play on Pinnacle, Arsenal plus 185 to win the title that's the biggest number that has shown in quite some time. Man City, minus 227. What did I tell you on the podcast two weeks ago? If you're going to jump on City, do it now, based upon the way that the fixtures played out. And these numbers pretty clearly show and back up Jake's model and what overall sentiment is at present time. The top four battle, it's interesting because on Pinnacle, there are six quote-unquote contenders for their finals, for those final two Champions League spots, top four spots, yet there's 12 points that separate those two sides. And what's interesting is Spurs right now, who sit fifth or third in that pack of teams, are plus 650. Liverpool at plus 500 and Brighton at plus 400 with shorter odds. United just about locked in, just about pushing their way to the Arsenal City uh, uh, end of end of the spectrum at minus 899, Newcastle minus 300. And the outsider, the emerging side, Aston Villa, plus 2488. Uh, what do you make of those numbers and how are you looking at the top four? We'll get into some of the schedules um, in, in terms of what our plays look like this week, but uh, some of those numbers jump off the page a little bit. Yeah, they, I... I... I think it's, I don't want to say done, but I think if, if Newcastle beat Tottenham this weekend, I think it's done. I think that's the top four for the for, um, how it's finishing. Just because it, re- realistically, they probably need to win five more matches, Newcastle. Maybe even four, because to, you know Brighton have got to play both Arsenal and City down the running. Liverpool have got an easier schedule than probably everybody else, but um, you know they've got a lot more ground to, to gain. Um, Villa played a game more, six points back. I don't see them doing top four. And Spurs are just performing like a team that, that should be mid-table as opposed to challenging for the top four. And I do worry that Spurs could actually be a team that drops into maybe seventh and, and settles for the Europa Conference League spot. I did a video a few weeks back when um, when Conte was sacked and Stellini was appointed. I just kind of had a deja vu feel of, was it two, three years ago when Mourinho was sacked and Ryan Mason was appointed and that, that ended the season just fizzled out and they ended up finishing seventh. And I, I made the point on the video that, you know, that it could actually repeat itself, that Spurs are playing that badly at the moment that, you know, they've got a point advantage at the minute, but it's not very big. I mean, Brighton have got two games in hand over Spurs. If they win both of them, they go above Spurs. Um, and then all you need is Liverpool to carry on playing the way they are. I think Liverpool have got head to head with Spurs as well. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not taking any plays at all in the top four market at this stage of the season. I, I think that the four best teams are currently up there. So happy to leave them where they are. I might have a sprinkle. I, I might have a play. I'm trying to convince myself. Liverpool plus 500. I, I, I know that there are ways out. Newcastle has a difficult run in. Brighton has a difficult run in. Spurs are Spurs. Liverpool's remaining games. Nottingham Forest this week. West Ham. Spurs. Enough said. 
Liverpool home, Brentford home, Leicester City, Villa at home, Southampton. I mean, they have the easiest run in out of any one of those, any group of those teams. They have a game in hand on Spurs. I think you're right. This weekend, Newcastle Spurs could have a big implication on the way that things go. I think I can convince myself that Liverpool could pick up enough points to push on and at least compete for a top four spot. Plus 500, is is that enough? Um, I haven't locked one in, Jake, but that's something that I'm absolutely considering. They're healthy now too, and their they, home they form healthy. is unbelievable. Yeah. So yeah, that that does scare games. me a little bit. The home form, but away from home, I know they, they've just absolutely dominated Leeds, but they're so unreliable defensively. Uh, and I've just got Newcastle's schedule up, and it's not as bad as I actually thought. You know, they've got Spurs, Southampton, Arsenal, and Leicester as the four remaining home matches, and you'd probably expect, well, I expect them to pick up at least nine points there, maybe even ten with a draw against Arsenal. Um, and then away at Everton, away at, a Leeds, tough one. away at Chelsea. You know, Leeds and Everton have not shown to be great shakes recently. Chelsea are just giving points away, aren't they? Uh, Frank Lampard is doing a great job there. So, you know, that, that's kind of a... <laughs> yeah, I, I think I feel a bit more comfortable now having looked at Newcastle's schedule that, that you know, if they if they beat Spurs, then they are finishing the top four. If they don't beat Spurs, I think, I think it, we could see a little bit of pressure piling and maybe a little bit of a, of a wobble coming for Newcastle. And really quickly on the relegation side of things, have we gone from this enormous pack of eight or nine? Can we whittle it down to just five? Because that's what the odds on Pinnacle are suggesting. Southampton, odds odd to go down, minus 1298. Wow. Forest, minus 375. I hate to say I've told you so, but man, I've been banging that drum for months now. Then there's Leicester City minus 110, Everton minus 100, so even odds, and Leeds United at plus 225. Everyone else has gone way out. Bournemouth plus 1400, West Ham plus 1600, Wolves plus 3300. I'm not even going to touch on Palace or Chelsea who are listed because the odds are, I, I think that they're Chelsea are listed. That's good. They're, they're clear. <laughs> at, at plus 50,006. 50, I don't. I don't even know how to say that number in 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 terms of uh, betting or gambling vernacular. But what do you make? Is that the way that you look at things? It's like a a, a five horse race to the bottom. I think so. Yeah. Um, I think the fact that West Ham have got game in hand probably is the reason why they are uh, uh, you know as part of that bigger price section. Um, but yeah, I think that they've definitely. I mean, looking at the, looking at their schedule, it's hard to rule West Ham out. To be fair, at that big yeah. price at plus sixteen hundred, I mean, they've still got to play Liverpool, Man City, and Man United in the running. They've got to go to Palace and Brentford, which is two tough games. Um, you know, they've got to go to Bournemouth. They'd probably prefer to have that at home. So yeah, maybe if you're looking for a, a small play, West Ham at plus sixteen hundred. I mean, they might have, you know, to get through to the semi-finals of the Conference League, they've got more matches to play, etc., which could come into it. Um, but yeah, they're they're, the, they're probably the only team I would still include, just looking at the schedule. Um, but yeah, I I think it, there's every chance the bottom three stays as it is it is now. I mean, not Nottingham Forest haven't shown me anything the last ten matches. In fact, they've been the worst team in the league across the last ten fixtures. Um, Leicester, they were they were half decent in the second half against City, but City did take everybody off at half time effectively. Um, and I think Southampton, they are as good as gone. I mean, I still cannot believe that they parted company with Ralph Harsenhutl 
at the start of the season. Um, that's still absolutely bonkers to me. And, and you know, they're going to pay for it with championship football next season. Um, but yeah, Everton, Everton are the other interesting one because I was quite, not bullish, but I was quite confident that they would survive under Daesh. And the early underlying numbers were promising. But recently, um, there's been a real negative trend from a defensive standpoint. They're conceding a lot of chances, which is massively concerning. Um, yeah, they're, they're the other team that I do fear for. And the same with Leeds. I mean, I've banged on Leeds, for the last yeah. four, three or four game weeks now, just saying don't believe the hype when they were going through that really good run under Gracia early doors. And you know, the wheels have well and truly fallen off. I mean, have they conceded a four, five and a six in the last four matches? Just conceding left and right, which is which is obviously destroyed the goal difference advantage they had over teams down there as well. Um, so yeah, I, I think the market's spot on in terms of whittling it down to five. Um, I, I would personally probably still put West Ham in there. Uh, maybe they expect those to be them to be a little bit shorter than what they are. Um, but you know, they have got more quality in that side than than teams below them. For for me, Southampton's gone. Nottingham Forest are gone. Uh, just their schedule is exceptionally difficult. Forest is just, they're in a lot of trouble here. But Leicester, Everton, Leeds, that's about it. Um, I think that Leeds at plus 225. Um, if you think it's, again, it's, it's not five-horse race. It's a three-horse race for one spot. Leeds based on form, your, your level of trust. I think that Leicester has more talent in their side to be honest with you and enough to kind of get out and they have a favorable run of games over the next four weeks that if they can come away with something from those games, something positive that they might be okay. So you can find yeah. all those odds on pinnacle uh, as we really get into the stretch run of the season. We've got a, um, we've got a, a, a podcast for the midweek round of fixtures next week, haven't we? And, we do. and there's some big games there. I mean, just look at the two teams you just mentioned, Leeds and Leicester. They actually play each other next week in midweek, um, which is massive. Uh, so, yeah, you don't want to miss that podcast. All right. Uh, let's kick on to our feature five this week. And the first two games are going to have a similar theme. An overwhelming Favorite taking on a struggling underdog that's most likely going down. And the lines will be similar and potentially the plays might be similar for them as well. Let's start things off. Arsenal still top of the table against the Cellar Dwellers, a team that's simply incapable of anything right now in Southampton. First versus worst at this time of year can generally lead to bad things for the worst, especially when you're playing away from home at the side that's leading in the Premier League and a side that's desperate for a full three points. Arsenal 2-2 draws in back-to-back weeks at Liverpool at West End, up 2-0 in both those fixtures. Uh, in the game on the weekend, 2.09 to 2.58 in terms of the XG. Similar themes. Arsenal giving up a lot of chances. Jesus, however, has scored in three straight games. William Saliba has been a big miss for this team. It just doesn't look right with Rob Holding coming in. Just simply not the solution. Um On the plus side for Arsenal, they haven't lost in their last four. No clean sheets in their last five. They played to the over two and a half in eight of their last nine. Both teams have scored in each and every one of their last five games. They have been the first team to score in their last seven games, and they've been the first half winner in their last six. Uh, Arsenal have won their last four at home, scoring three or more goals in every one of those games. Southampton cut off a 2-0 loss to Crystal Palace and just a 0.8 XG in what was a must-win game. 
Three straight league losses and no wins in their last six for the Saints. No clean cheat in their last five. They played to the under two and a half and five of seven and have been the first concede in their last five. They still have to play Newcastle, Brighton, and Liverpool in addition to Arsenal in their last seven games. Um, that's enough to just tell you that they will be relegated. Five other teams have fewer than Southampton's 13 away points. It's been their home form that's been the biggest issue. And four away wins is actually more than Brentford and the same amount of away wins on the season than Liverpool and Chelsea. That's just an incredible statistic for me. Head-to-head, they played to a 1-1 draw with... Arsenal at St. Mary's earlier this season, just wild stuff. 0.65 to a 1.65 XG in that game. And in this matchup between Arsenal and Southampton, they played to under two and a half in five of seven. Now the spread in this game is set for two and you can get Arsenal at the minus two goals. So they have to win by two or more uh, at minus one Oh seven. If they win by two, exactly. It's a refund. Uh, the spread in this game, minus 528 for an Arsenal win, plus 653 for a draw, plus 1501 for a Southampton win. So the numbers, um, they're big to look at, and they maybe complicate things to a certain degree. So where do you go with this, Jay? Because clearly Arsenal, the vastly superior side, but is there a number? Is there a play on the board that has caught your eye? Um. Well, I had two plays in mind. One being, well, the first one that initially was was just Arsenal to win to nil, which is at minus one thirteen. Um, you know, I, I think I've said weeks and weeks and weeks now that Southampton's attacking process since Ruben Sellers took charge has been horrendous. I mean, if you exclude the one off against Spurs where they racked up two and a half xG, they've averaged just zero point seven expected goals for per game across these matches, uh, and that drops to zero point six when playing away from home. Um, and they've scored just once in four away trips. So initially, just anti-Southampton goals was the way I was going to play it. But then if you look at Arsenal's home form, they actually concede a lot when they play at home. They win a lot, but they also concede a lot. Um, you know, Leeds scored there, Palace scored there, Bournemouth scored twice. Um, obviously, City scored three, Brentford scored there, United scored twice, West Ham scored there. So you've seen a theme that teams that go to the Emirates actually do get on the score sheet. So initially... That was my my thinking, but I dismissed that because of that reason. And, and obviously, we've touched on it recently, Arsenal's defensive issues. Um, you know, they, they've definitely appeared um, much weaker since William Saliba's been out injured. So instead, I I just, I wanted to take Arsenal on the handicap. Um, I, I, it's set at minus two the line, but I'm quite happy to take minus one and three quarters at a... Um, a shorter price. It's minus 140 um, for Arsenal, minus one and three quarters. So that basically means you get half a bet on Arsenal, minus one and a half. So if they win by two goals, you get a winner at half win. Um, if they win by three or more goals, you get a full win. So um, yeah, I, that's the pl- that's the play I'm, I'm going to make here. I just think that there's, there's a massive gulf between the sides. I don't think Southampton are going to score, but I'm not that confident um, to pull the trigger on, on um, Arsenal win to nil. If you look at Arsenal in bottom uh, against the bottom nine sides at the Emirates, they've won seven of seven. They've covered the minus one and a half handicap in six matches um, of those seven, and they've won by three or more in four of those seven. So this generally is a bet that does go very close when they're playing against the worst teams in the league. 
Uh, and the process at home is just fantastic. 2.5 expected goals for per game, 1.0 expected goals against per game. So utterly dominant. I expect the same, and I think it could be quite a convincing victory. So starting with Arsenal on the handicap. Uh, I like the play. Uh, I have a little bit of a different play. The first half hasn't been a problem for Arsenal. They've come out like a house on fire scoring early goals. So let's make a first half play. Arsenal with the handicap in the first half, I'm going to move it to minus one at plus 123. So if they're up a goal at halftime, uh, it's a push. If they're up by more than a goal at one, uh, through the first half, which they have been in recent weeks, uh, you win your bet at a good plus number at plus 123. I said it, they went up 2-0 early in the first half against both Liverpool and West Ham in their last two games. They've been the first to score in their last seven games, and they've been the first half winner in their last six games. Southampton have been dreadful, but they've been the first to concede in their last five games. So in terms of those trends, the way that these two teams play, what this game means, where the game is being played, all of it skews in Arsenal's favor. And for them to come out and have a statement start to this game after the little bit of a wobble with the City game and the not-so-distant future, I, I think that that's the best play on the board I could find. Arsenal first half uh, minus one at plus 123. So I'm going to lock that in, a full play. Yeah, they've started quick recently, haven't they, Arsenal? Um, I think that that bet that you've just quoted there, it's won in three of the last seven and pushed in three. So it's only lost once of the last seven matches. So just to oh, yeah. put some more perspective there, that they they do start very fast. And um, yeah, hopefully... For my my sake, they can hold on to the lead this time. <laughs> yes, no kidding. Uh, that game's going to be played on Friday night, so some Friday night football on your weekend schedule. Shall we move on to a game with a very similar theme and very similar lines just in terms of the way the game is projected to play out? It's Liverpool and Nottingham Forest. Liverpool, an emphatic 6-1 win on Monday night football. Jurgen Klopp said it might have been their Liverpool's best match of the season, best game of the season. That's saying something considering some of the cracking wins that they've had this year over teams like Manchester United. But I guess the the positive away performance is something that this team hasn't had and it was long overdue. Uh, A 2.34 XG in that game after a 4.4 XG in the game prior against Arsenal. So the chance creation is off the charts for Liverpool right now. Uh, a Mo Salah brace in the game. He's up to 15 on the season and fourth best in the Premier League. If he can only finish penalties, then perhaps that number will be a little bit higher. Diego Jota, back, fit, firing. He scored a brace as well. Luis Diaz came on. Uh, a nice moment for him after six months on the sidelines with a knee injury. Uh, Liverpool haven't lost in their last three. And uh, they're still in the running for European football. Perhaps more the Europa League, although some people like me might consider them to still be in the Champions League mix. They have some some significant ground to make up, but a favorable schedule coming home. 47 points is three points back of Aston Villa and six points back of Spurs, who are in fifth place, and they do have a game in hand. Liverpool's home form, spectacular, 9-4-1, and one, and they have the best XG of any other side, 37.5 in 14 games, according to InfoGoal. Nottingham Forest, my God, where do we begin? Um, back-to-back 2-0 losses at Villa, at home to United, uh, three straight losses and no wins in their last 10, no clean sheet in their last 10. Although Kaylor Navis hasn't been the problem, the goalkeeper has been very good. Both teams to score has played in five of seven. They have an upcoming stretch 
of Liverpool, Brighton, at Brentford, at Chelsea, and Arsenal. Wow, that's a difficult run in five of their last seven games. And a reminder that we do for every Nottingham Forest away match, they're dreadful. One win, three draws, 11 losses away, five. That's it. One, two, three, four, five goals scored, 36 conceded. Head to head, get this, much like the Arsenal story, Nottingham Forest came away with a result against Liverpool last time they played. Forest won 1-0. And the XG, 2.44 to 2.52 in that game, all kinds of chances created. Much like the uh, Arsenal-Southampton match, the spread is set at minus 2 for Liverpool. only comes in at minus 115, minus 527 for a Liverpool win, plus 668 for a draw, and plus 1427 for a Forest away win. So what do you make of this, Jake? Is there a number that stands out to you? It's a little bit of a mess, isn't it? Yeah, these games are always tricky, aren't they, when you've got such a one-sided match um, on paper, on the odds. But I think I think there's some value to be had in backing Liverpool to win and both teams to score at plus 195. Um, yeah, it, obviously, you don't have to keep talking about Liverpool's attack. They're absolutely flying at the moment. Um, in fact, over the course of the season, they've averaged nearly 2.7 expected goals for per home game, which is actually the league best. So they're the best attacking team when playing at home. Um, but defensively, they're just so vulnerable. I mean, they've allowed 1.74 expected goals against per game across the last six, which is the kind of figure you'd expect to see from a Southampton or a Nottingham Forest. Um, and, you know, they've conceded in half of the home matches as well. So it's not like they, they keep clean sheets at Anfield. Palace, Leeds, Southampton and Leicester have all scored at Anfield already this season. Um, or all, all in defeats bar, uh, no, sorry, Leeds went there and won, didn't they? Palace drew and Southampton Leicester lost in both teams to score fashion. Um, Forest, for me, it's just a question of can they score? Can they get on the score sheet? Um, and I think that there's enough Enough um, probably teething issues with the new system at Liverpool. There's also individual errors. There's the fact that they might overload looking for more goals like we saw in midweek uh, on Monday. Um, but yeah, they, they've actually scored in six of the last eight matches, not going for us, which shows off a hope for this bet and they should get some opportunities. But the defence is in absolute shambles, conceding two and a half expected goals per game across the last eight matches. So it could well be a cricket score kind of match again, like a 5-6-1 if Forest don't sort themselves out. Um, but I do think that Forest will get on the score sheet. So I'm, I'm going to have a small play on a big plus number. Liverpool winning both teams to score plus wow. 195. Bold for a team that's only scored five away goals in Forest on the season. I looked at that. I just I, I couldn't wrap my head around it. Um, I was tempted I think to it's play more to do with Liverpool's defense than Forest attack. I, is my angle I, really? I, but, I got yeah. you, and and they've looked a lot more solid. Trent Alexander Arnold playing a little bit more of a progressive role. In the midfield, I, I think that makes a whole lot of sense. So many teams are shifting to three at the back, to pushing that fullback into the into a a low block midfield position, like Trent Alexander Arnold did against Leeds. A much better position for him, where he doesn't need to mind his winger, and 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 that's where Liverpool have regularly drawn out their center backs, and it's caused all kinds of chaos across their back line. So so perhaps this is the way forward. Um, I looked at Liverpool's goals. I looked at Liverpool to win to nil. If you like that play, it's minus 110 on Pinnacle. But I like my Arsenal play so much, I'm going to just 
you know, rinse, wash, repeat for <laughs> Liverpool here. Liverpool on the handicap, uh, the first half handicap minus one at an even bigger number at plus 130. I think Liverpool with the crowded Anfield, I know it sounds cliche, but they've been so good at Anfield. It's been such a weapon for this team. Play against a team that they lost against, some good vibes, players back, clubs happy. Um, the, the team's as healthy as they've been all season long. I think they can come out and score a couple goals in the first half, to be honest with you. So give me Liverpool minus one. If they're up by a goal at halftime, it's a push. But plus 130, again, a decent plus number for for a team that should run away with this game and win this matchup without um, without too much resistance uh, this week against Forrest. So first half plays in, in, in back-to-back games. Also, the good part about first half plays on Pinnacle um, – Keeps up the options open for live betting uh, after uh, and and throughout the match, depending on where it goes. Um, so you can you can choose to hedge, you can choose to double up, whichever way you want to take it. But I love the first half plays for games like this when there is one team that's a pronounced favorite, and you look at the board and there might not be a whole lot there. If you dig a little bit deeper, there's plenty of options on Pinnacle, and this is the one I'm going to choose for both of these first two games. Not sure what your what your stats tell you about Liverpool and their starts, but I mean at at Anfield they've been absolutely brilliant. They've lost one game all season. That was the Leeds United, and it was one where they they won the first half. It, it was one nil, and Leeds pulled the rabbit out of their hat. I just can't see Nottingham Forest doing the same thing. This team's a nightmare right now. Yeah, Forest are, are definitely struggling. Um, like I said, I, I could see this being a bit of a cricket score, but again, just I know it's I know that they've looked good in. Match against Arsenal, match against Leeds, but it's two games. It's quite a small sample size. They still conceded three goals as well as, um, you know, scoring eight. But before that, was it draw at Chelsea, which looks like a terrible result now? Lost at Manchester City, which is fair, but also lost at Bournemouth. So they're not carrying the best of form, which is why I was a little bit hesitant to go with Liverpool on the handicap and just thought I'd chance something a little bit bigger because, you know, a smaller stakes, obviously, because it's a bigger price, but. Yeah, you know, when when there is such a big mismatch, you have to be really confident about the team covering the handicap. Um, because yeah, yeah. I, I'm not I'm not as confident uh, as Liverpool of Liverpool covering this handicap as I am of Arsenal. Right. Uh, let's move on. Um, a side that's now struggling a little bit, taking on the informed team in the Premier League. Really, it's Brentford and Aston Villa. Brentford coming off a loss, 2-0 at Wolves, three straight losses, two draws before that. Then I was seeing Thomas Frank on my Premier League TV doing studio commentary or studio studio analysis for the Leeds-Liverpool game. So Tommy Frank getting out there. Um they Wolves over the course of this span, or sorry, Brentford over the course of this the span where they struggled a little bit. They have played Brighton, Manchester United, and Newcastle over that span. Uh, so just to take that into consideration, they haven't picked up a clean sheet in their last five, and they played to the under two and a half in five of their last seven. They're still eighth in the home table. It's legit their home form, seven, six, and two, 29 goals scored, just 16 conceded, and they're eighth overall in the expected goal differential according to InfoGoal at home as well. Aston Villa, go on Villa. They're up to sixth. After a 3-0 comprehensive victory against Newcastle, I don't know about you, Jake. I was having texts from family and friends and onlookers saying, wow, this 
Villasai looks very, very good. All the plaudits, deservedly so, going to Unai Emery, how, the way that he's helped turn this club around. Another impressive performance, a 1.93 XG to 0.67 in that game against Newcastle, a team that was on a roll in their own stead. Five wins in a row for Villa, no losses in eight. They've been the first to score in nine of nine and clean sheets in four of their last five games. Ollie Watkins has scored five in his last four games, including a goal in every one of those games. He's up to 14 on the season. An early season proje- projection by Jake Osgathorpe coming good. That look out for Ollie Watkins. Slow start, but he's caught fire here after the World Cup break. Um, they've now moved up to being the best, the sixth best away side. Um, but it's a little bit off-putting because that's in terms of points. In terms of their expected goal differential, according to InfoGoal, minus 11.5 in that category, which puts them 16th overall in expected goal differential uh, in the Premier League and are 16 goals for and 21 against in 15 away matches. So they're pushing for European football, but they do have a tough upcoming schedule. United, Liverpool, they play their rival in Wolves away, and they also play Brighton and Spurs in the stretch run to the season. Had dad, Villa won this fixture 4-0 earlier this season, and the 3.48 XG that Villa put together in that game was the biggest of their season. Brentford, no clean sheet against Aston Villa in their last three. So there's a couple different ways of looking at this, Jake. Brentford, do you back them to continue what has been a season of positive home form? Or you have you seen enough from Villa where simply you can't bet against them right now? Um, yeah, I, I, both those questions ring very true. And that's kind of why I've got no bet here. I, you know, I got burned a little bit with Villa last week. I didn't make a pro Newcastle play, but I, I did expect Newcastle to win and to score. And Villa were just fantastic. So, um, you know, I, I think they deserve a bit of respect this weekend. This could be a potentially good game for them because Brentford have been well off it recently. Their their recent form, obviously, the results have been bad. The performances have been really poor as well. Um, you know, away at Wolves, they, they shaded the XG battle, but, you know, Wolves took an early lead in that one. Um, against Newcastle, they were okay. But again, two penalties they had, which actually bumped their XG up quite a lot. They were poor at Man United. They were really bad at Brighton, conceded 4.5 expected goals. Um, And then against Leicester in the game before the international break, they were really iffy, lost the XG battle quite comfortably in that one, fortunate to get a point. So Brentford aren't playing at a very high standard right now, or not as high as what we've seen throughout most of the campaign. So this could potentially be a good time for Villa to play them. Villa are obviously red hot. Um, Their performances are really looking really sharp. Defensively looking good as well, which I think is really impressive. Um, but yeah, I've still not seen enough just yet. I know that they were really good against Newcastle, um, but I, I think I'm going to give them one more week before I start climbing on the bandwagon. Um, I, I just think that price is a little bit short at plus 185 for a Villa win, um, especially given what we've seen from Brentford at home throughout the course of the season. I mean, if this game was played two, three months ago, you're probably getting Brentford at plus 110 maybe. Um, you know, have Villa improved that much that they're now um, plus 157 Brentford? Probably not. So I'm happy to just leave this one alone for the time being. Yeah, I, I have to back Brentford in this game. I mean, they've been so good to us in terms of their home form. And the away form of Aston Villa, although they've been picking up points, they've hardly played any world beater over this stretch. Like winning at Chelsea, I know Ch- Chelsea's just... 
they're they're not themselves and playing Leicester City, like this recent run of away games, have all come against teams that you'd think that they would beat if they're going to be contending for European football. But that minus 11.5 and expected goal differential just jumps off the page for me. And that hasn't changed for months. Like that hasn't changed under Unai Emery. And you pointed out last week that some of the numbers that you were digging into, some of the data when it came to Villa showed that they'd be overachieving to a certain degree, not to take anything away from them. Like, you know, this recent run of form is out, has been outstanding, but perhaps, you know, they're not as strong as, as kind of what what the results have been leading on. Brentford remains a very good home side. Uh, They played some good teams over this stretch. Uh, I'm not going to go a full Brentford win bet here, but I think this is a good time to make the Brentford draw no bet play at minus 117. Um, If it's a draw, you get your money back. Could very well end up in a draw. If not, uh, it's a little bit of a market correction game where Brentford gets things back on the track. They've been too good. There isn't injuries. There's no real good reason for this dip of form. Perhaps just the schedule playing out with some difficult games over that stretch. So um, let's go Brentford draw no bet at minus 117 and hope that they recapture that magic. You know, 29 goals scored 16 against. That's not a fluke at this stage of the season. They've been very competitive there. And they're not really playing for anything. They're not playing for European football. They're a mid-table team. It's like games like this, you want to do something for the home fans. And generally at this time of the year, the away form might dip for sides like Brentford. Um, but the home form, I, I still think it'll be up there. And I'm expecting them to come out and try to right some of the wrongs that have kind of played out over the last few weeks. So Brentford, draw, no bet at home at minus 117. Anything Dad, or do you want to move on to the next game? Yeah, let's move on. It's a big one. Newcastle and Spurs, fourth versus fifth in the Premier League table. Newcastle, a little bit of a setback after that 3-0 loss to Aston Villa. It was their third straight away game in a row. I warned about that last week. It was a difficult end to a run of games for Newcastle. And perhaps that played out in a little bit of a predictable way. No clean sheets in their last three. Newcastle played to over two and a half in five of six. Their last home game was a big 2-0 victory over Manchester United. And they put up a 3.18 XG in that game. The home form has been very good on the balance of the season for Newcastle. 8-5-1. and one. Their lone loss to Liverpool. Nick Pope was sent off. Played a man down. Uh, 23 goals scored, nine against at home, nine conceded at home is the second fewest at home. And they also have the second best uh, uh, record in terms of expected goals against, according to InfoGoal. St. Maximin is still out. Other than that, Almiron came back into the team last week. Spurs, wow. 3-2 home loss to Bournemouth. Wow. Uh, 2.45 to a 1.1 XG, but they weren't convincing in the game, were they? They were lucky against Brighton at home the game before that as well. And back-to-back draws against Southampton and Everton before that. Basically, this team isn't very good. No clean sheet in their last five. They played to over two and a half and four of five. Both teams to score has played in five of five. And Spurs have been the first to score in their last five games. This is a defining stretch of Spurs season and it starts this weekend. Newcastle, then they play Manchester United, then they play Liverpool. This will determine where they play, whether it's in the Champions League, Europa League, or even below that. If you want to talk about how average this team is away from home, 5-5-5. 
24 goals scored, 25 against. It, it, it's pretty much it pretty much says it all. Head to head, Newcastle won this fixture at Spurs. It was a 2-1 final. In this fixture, both teams to scorers played in six of six, and they played over the two and a half total in five of six. All right. Arguably the biggest fixture of the weekend, Jake. Which way are you leaning? I'm definitely leaning Newcastle. Without hesitation, I'm back in Newcastle to win. Um, I think there's a massive gulf between these two teams right now. Um, I mean, I think I've banged on since the restart about how bad Spurs have been. I was very uh, keen on them at the start of the season and they they started off all right. And then for whatever reason, around the World Cup break, just before and and straight after, took an absolute nosedive and they've not really recovered since. So... They're a team that has to be taken on pretty much every week. Um, and, you know, last week it was with Bournemouth. Um, this week it's it's Newcastle. And, and it just so happens to be Newcastle are the second best home team in the league based on the underlying data. Um, they're, you know, majorly disappointed last weekend, deservedly beaten, like you said, three straight away games. So this, this home match could be just a tonic to get them back on track. It's yeah. a great opportunity to, um, to you know, get that, loud, noisy crowd behind them, get a victory. And like I said at the top of the show, I think if they win this, I won't say they're a surefire thing to get in the top four, but they're pretty close. Um, I think this is this is basically win or bust um, for Tottenham. If Tottenham lose this, I think their top four chances are done. So, the, the, you know, it's quite a high stakes game. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that Newcastle have got enough to be able to come out on top. I mean, you mentioned there defensively, they considered nine in 14 when playing at home and five of those came against Man City and Liverpool. So that's, they conceded four goals in the other 12 home matches, which is an incredible record. Um, the process 2.4 expected goals for per game, 1.0 expected goals against per game. So it's pretty much in line with what we saw, uh, what discussed with Arsenal in the first game that we covered. It's just to put in perspective how good and how impressive they've been. Um, and yeah, Spurs, they've been the 10th best team in the league since the restart, according to expected goals away from home since the World Cup break, 1.3 expected goals for, 1.6 expected goals against, which is, again, 10th best in the league. So not good at all. It just seems to be the same old, same old, doesn't it? I mean, Conte's gone, but you've kept a Conte disciple in there, in Stellini, who's got them playing exactly the same manner of football. It's boring. It's slow. It's uninventive. It's very, very um, passive at times as well. So not very positive about Tottenham at all. Um, and yeah, this is a, a great opportunity for Newcastle to pretty much slam the door on on Spurs from a top four perspective. Yeah, uh, Newcastle win at minus one nineteen. Um, I'm happy to make that play. I'd also consider Newcastle over one point one point five goals scored at minus one thirteen. Look like Spurs went away a couple of weeks ago and conceded three against Southampton. How many are they going to concede at Newcastle, a team that's played over two and a half in five of their last six games? I just Spurs defensively are an absolute shambles. So I'll lock in the Newcastle to win, uh, but I, I'm tempted to play the over the goal total of one and a half for Newcastle as well. Either or for me, um, I can what see goals being scored in this game minus one thirteen. It's it's a little bit better, but it's a little bit too close. I'm more confident on a Newcastle win. Um, you know, but I think if Newcastle win, they score more than once. That's what I think. Sure, that, yeah. That's kind of my lean. So I, I, I might end up locking in a play there as well. Something to think about. But I think we're both leaning the same way here. 
the same thoughts on this game. Newcastle at home has, has been absolutely cash. They'd be money this year. Spurs, the way that they're tr- tracking right now, you simply can't back them. I just, I, I, I can't see a way, but you know, who, who knows? We'll see how it plays out, yeah. but uh, we'll I, back, um, back in Newcastle. I wouldn't put anyone off back in Newcastle minus one on the Asian handicap as well at plus 156. Um, you know, everyone watched what Newcastle did to Man United in which they covered the handicap. They were excellent in that occasion, racked up loads and loads of chances. Um, and Spurs, when they've travelled to what you would call, well, what I've called the three best home teams in the league in terms of Arsenal, City and Newcastle. They, you know, the Arsenal covered the handicap against Spurs, 1-3-1, City 1-4-2. Um, and Newcastle are, are kind of hitting those kind of levels as well. So I wouldn't be at all surprised if Newcastle won by a couple of goals here. So just another one, slightly bigger price to throw in the mix. So neither one of us phased uh, phased by the loss last weekend for Newcastle, and we'll move forward with them this weekend. The final game of our feature five, it's played on Sunday and a big game just to kind of create separation for one of these two sides from the rest in the relegation pack. It's like win and you stay up game at Bournemouth this weekend as they play West Ham United. Bournemouth, they were rewarded for some real progress. And there has been under Gary O'Neill in the last few weeks with a 3-2 win at Spurs. Back-to-back wins for Bournemouth and three wins under the last four. Um, pretty incredible. A side that's a little bit limited, maybe punching above their weight, but it played really well over the last few months. They have, however, been the first to concede in four of their last five games. It's a key game for Bournemouth because they're on 33 points. They can stretch out that six-point gap between them and the pack in the relegation zone. They've been good at home. Five wins, four draws, six losses on the season, 15 goals scored, 19 against. However, they are the at the... Uh, they are in the bottom four in terms of home ex- expected goals against, according to InfoGoal. West Ham, uh, they'll be uh, motivated, inspired by a 2-2 draw with Arsenal after being two goals down. A 2.09 XG in that game as well. Um, they're up to 31 points and they're up to 15th in the table. Same thing goes. A win here, they create that separation from the rest. They have only picked up nine points away from home. Only Nottingham Forest has fewer away points than West Ham. Two, three, and nine. Eight goals scored. That's it. In 20 conceded in 14 games. But, and this is the big one, they're seventh in terms of expected goal differential away from home, so not being rewarded for their efforts. A lot of that has to do with their defensive play. It's been good away from home. Their attacking processes have been dreadful. Head-to-head West Ham won this fixture 2-0 earlier this season, 2.2 XG to just a 0.93. Bournemouth hasn't picked up a clean sheet in their last four against West Ham. So what goes down here at the Vitality? Who are you backing in this game? Um, I don't actually have a play in this one. Uh, this is one of the, this is the other game, uh, along with the Brentford Villa game, where I don't have a play. Um, I just, yeah, I, I, I think I respect Bournemouth enough not to be quite bullish on West Ham to win. They Bournemouth have shown us plenty, as you mentioned over the last couple of weeks, and West Ham have they've they've got that solid backbone. Um, yeah, I. I mentioned them as a potential long shot, just given the schedule, but I would be surprised if they went down. Obviously, this is a game comes after a, um, a quarterfinal second leg in Europe. Uh, the second leg is at home, though, which does mean that there's less travel time. But 
Yeah, I, there was just nothing that took my fancy at all here. I could see it being high scoring. I could see it being low scoring. I could see either outcome. Um, so I'm quite happy to just leave this alone. Uh, I'll go Bournemouth draw no bet at plus 102. A little bit better than even odds. I, I think this game potentially is draw written all over it. If that's the case, you get your money back. I just, every time I watch West Ham, it's just, I, I'm not a believer in this team. They've been horrible. It, it, they, they've been the one of the biggest underachievers in the Premier League this season. And they also play Ghent in the Conference League on Thursday night. Bournemouth are playing really well right now. They may con- concede some goals, but they're playing competitive football. So uh, I'll give the slight edge to Bournemouth making the draw no bet at a plus number, a reasonable play for me to make. Uh, let's go rapid fire for our final three. Fulham and Leeds. Uh, what do you make of this fixture, Jake? Well, I have a feeling that we're going to be on the same lines here. Just looking at the line. <laughs> Minus 110 for over 2.5 goals. Yes, please. That will do. Um, yeah, Fulham have kind of got back to their free scoring selves from the early part of the season. The Overs has landed in four of the last five. They've conceded over 2.3 expected goals against per game in that time. They're extremely vulnerable. And then speaking of vulnerable, Leeds have shipped, like I said before, four, five and six in the last four matches. Um, <laughs> grant, you know, Granted, you've played Arsenal and Liverpool, but Crystal Palace put five past them. Um, and since Gracia took charge, they've conceded over two expected goals as well. So overs landed in six straight for Leeds. They'll see this as a winnable match, which means I think they'll keep the same approach in terms of trying to be quite proactive and attacking. And that should leave plenty, plenty of goals. I was surprised the line wasn't three on this. To be fair, that, that's what I was going to ask you. What do you, what do you make of that? Uh, the exact same play: Fulham no clean sheet in six, Leeds no clean sheet in eight. Head to head, the over two and a half is played in five of seven. It was three two the fixture earlier this year with a two xg to a two point five two xg. Everything screams the over. So how do you explain where the number's sitting right now? Because this has to be the best bet of the week. Yeah, I, I'm not too sure why it's. Um, why it's so low? Uh, or you know why why we're why we're at two and a half? Like I said, if it was two point seven five, I would probably understand it a bit more. Right, but me too. Yeah, I just wonder. I just wonder if it's maybe the market thinking that Gracia, after conceding bucket loads in the last four matches, is going to tighten things up a little bit. Um, you know, they could well be right, but at the end of the day, the defenders that they've got there are just not good enough. Um, the missing key players, like Tyler Adams, is a huge player. In midfield, uh, he's out. So, Wilbur, you know, is, yeah, yeah. Wilbur, I think he might be back for this one. He was he was with the squad on Monday, but again, do, do they risk rushing him back when they've got Leicester in midweek? Um, yeah, I, I I'm very surprised. And Fulham are just playing with freedom right now. They they are we've got nothing to play for. They're not going to get into Europe. They probably have a small goal of finishing above Chelsea, as daft as it sounds. Um, they're three <laughs> points above Chelsea right now with the game in hand. I think if they could finish above Chelsea, that would be a, you know, that's probably what they've got their target set up for the rest of the season, which means that they'll still be playing, you know, for wins effectively rather than just coasting. So, yeah, very surprised at the line, um, but I'm happy to take it because, yeah, yeah, I, I would too. take that bet 10 times out of 10 if you offer me that price. We're united in the over. Potentially the next game screams under as it's Palace and Everton. Uh, do you have a play in this game? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Roy's Roy's side to win again. They are they're flying at the moment. You know, plus one ten. Um, it's the kind of price I would expect to see from um, Crystal Palace of last season in terms of when they were when they were flying. They were performing like a top half team, and effectively, that's what they're performing like right now. 
Um, they've, they've three wins from three against relegation threatened teams. They've soundly beaten all of them. 2.4 expected goals for per game, 0.7 expected goals against per game in those three matches. So Hodgson's got them playing. Um, they're only three points behind Chelsea. I think, again, that that might be a small target that they have um, for, for themselves is to finish above Chelsea. I'm not picking on Chelsea, but you know it's very rare that you see them in the bottom half and vulnerable. And, and these kind of teams would probably take that as a huge win to finish above them. Um, Everton, winless in four, conceding a lot of chances, as I mentioned before. 1.9 expected goals against per game since Dyche took over. Away from home, it's actually 2.3. So they are really, really poor when travelling. And granted, they play some tough away teams. They played at Liverpool, they played at Arsenal, at Chelsea, at Man United. But the way in which Crystal Palace are playing, the number of chances they're creating, the freedom with which Eze and Elise are playing right now, I do fear for Everton. I think it could be quite a long game for them. So I was quite happy to take Palace to win again, uh, uh, plus 110. Half play for me, I'm kind of going the other direction. Head-to-head, Everton won this fixture 3-0 earlier this year. I think it'll be a pain in the you-know-what to play. Market correction time. But I'm going to go Everton with the spread at plus half a goal. So an Everton win or a draw, uh, you have a winning play at minus 121. Uh, This game has the shortest odds, by the way, to finish in a draw this week. And that's exactly where I think it may end up. And a draw... Good enough. Good for me. Good for a win there. So a half play Everton on the handicap. And finally, Leicester City and Wolves. A rivalry game of sorts a little bit here. Leicester City, I mean, this is must-win territory. They're starting a stretch where they play Wolves, Leeds, Everton, and Fulham as their next four. This, This stretch will define whether they stay up or not. So do they get off to a winning start here over a... Stretch of games where it doesn't look that daunting for the foxes. Uh, it's a good, it's a good opportunity for sure. Um, I was just quite happy to see the goal line fairly low. I think, I think it might be maybe not super high scoring, but I could see over two and a half coming in. Uh, but I actually like both teams to score in this at minus one thirteen. Um, both teams to score in five of Leicester's last six, and their problem all season has been defensively. Um, they still create plenty of chances. Like you said, they'll view it as a very winnable game um, against a team on the fringes of a relegation battle now. So, you know, a win for Leicester, does it pull Wolves into it, back into it maybe a little bit? Um, but yeah, Wolves away from home under Lopetegui, both teams have scored in six of eight um, and they've conceded 1.7 expected goals against per game when travelling. So uh, I could see chances at both ends. I don't think either team will be pull, pulling any punches. This is my no bet for me of the week. Away, just two away wins for Wolves in upcoming away games against Brighton, United, and Arsenal. Like, if they don't pick up points here, where are they picking them up? Away from home, down the stretch. And they need to pick up a couple more results in order to just ensure their safety. I'm not sure how this one will play out, so I'm going to stay away from this one entirely. So that's our board for the week. Remember, the odds are correct at the time of recording. And please gamble responsibly. We'll be back next week, not only with the UCL blueprint, as we'll know our semifinalists for the Champions League, but some big midweek fixtures in the Premier League as well to dig into as well. And when you're on Pinnacle, Stanley Cup playoffs are up and running. The NBA playoffs are up and running. All your best odds are available on Pinnacle. Best of luck this week, Jake. Thank you very much. Great work as always. Likewise, yeah, let's have some some goals and some winners. (laughs) Not so much of the unders this week. 
but no, some no, compelling no, different plays on the board, and we hope that you play along as well. On behalf of Jake and everyone at Pinnacle, I am Gareth Wheeler. This has been EPL Insights with data provided by InfoGoal.